I'd like to welcome you all here today. And uh, what I'd like to, to talk to you about is selfies or sacrifice. Does everybody know what a selfie is? Yeah, you're a very educated group. All you guys online too? Yeah, you're educated. Okay. Well, selfies or sacrifice. And, uh, you know, the, the selfie, you can take it to extremes. This is me waking up. This is me going to the bathroom. This is me going to eat my breakfast. This is putting my bowl in the sink. And it can go all day long. You know what I'm talking about? It can be all about me. <laughs> or it can be about some sacrifices that we may make along the way. We just got through celebrating communion together and communion is saying, let's not forget the sacrifice that Christ made. Let's not forget, you know, that he denied himself for you and me so we could have freedom from sin. And Memorial Day, you know, it's, uh, it's a day of remembering. Sir Thomas More said, the world does not need so much to be informed as to be reminded. Think about that. Memorial Day is a day for being reminded. It's a day for remembering. And we do honor the men and the women who over many years have actually paid the ultimate price, the sacrifice of their very life. So you and I can be here worshiping freely together that you could drive an automobile of your own, have a, your own home, work a job, go where you want in our nation. There's a freedom that we have, and this is yet the greatest nation on the face of the earth. It genuinely is. And much thanks to the men and women who gave their lives, not just some of their stuff, but they gave their lives for us. And, uh, you know, we, we honor them. And uh, many of you have seen a flag. Many have seen a, a flag folded kind of like that. Where do you usually see those at? At a funeral of someone who served. And we are thankful for every man and woman who has given their life for our country, for the freedoms we have, even though if a lot of people have forgotten, don't even know what Memorial Day is about. We still honor them and we thank God for them today. And we thank God for the, the men and women who, who came back wounded. We thank God for those who have come back, you know, healthy and safe. We thank God for those who are on the battlefronts even now. And for those who are training, we don't forget the price that has been paid and is being paid now for the freedoms that our country uh, experiences right now. Um, i just read you something I came across. America used to honor God unashamedly and openly. Used to. 
You know, it's, it's etched in the numerous monuments all over the nation's capital. It's carved in granite on many of the government buildings that we hold dear. It's printed on our currency. What's that little statement on our money? It's in God we trust. We used to honor God every which way, and it was, you know, noble. It was very welcome and very accepted. There was a time when we credited God with all of our blessings and our successes. And we turned to him in our trials and our losses. But today, like Babylon, we seem to have lost a sense of remembrance. President Woodrow Wilson said it best, a nation that does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today or what it is trying to do. We're about futile things if we do not know where we came from or what we have been about. In many ways, we've forgotten our past. What was it about America that made us so great and caused men and women from nations all around the world to risk their lives and their fortunes to come here? Is there something about America that distinguishes us from our neighbors to the north and the south? Canada was settled by French explorers who were looking for gold. Mexico was settled by Spanish explorers who were looking for gold. America was settled by men and women who came here primarily looking for God. They came searching for a home where God could be exalted and worshiped in spirit, freedom, and truth. American men and women, they died. So you and I could do what we're doing here today to worship God without any threats against us openly to experience the freedoms that we have. Many died. And so enjoy your picnics and your family gatherings, your memorial weekend celebrations. But in all that you do, remember them. Let's not forget them. Let's not forget when we see that flag flying high or when we see a flag that's been folded, let's remember the sacrifices. Even if the rest of the world is all about selfies, let's remember the sacrifices that made available this freedom that we're enjoying today. There is no success without sacrifice. If you succeed without sacrifice, it's because someone has sacrificed before you. If you sacrifice without success, it is because someone will succeed after you. You've just planted some seeds that maybe our kids will benefit by that we've planted, you know. Success, I mean sacrifice, it means to give up something of value for something of higher value. You know, there was a, a guy I had read about years ago, and uh, he was a veteran. 
and he was missing an arm because of a battle. And someone came up to him and said, I, I'm so sorry that you lost your arm. And he was kind, but he was stern. He says, I, I did not lose my arm. He said, I gave my arm for my country. And a sacrifice, you see, can't be taken away from you. It's something that you give, you know. Our Bible tells us about Jesus. What did he do? His life was really not taken from him. He gave his life freely for you and for me. Uh, this is? It's a pawn. Well, actually, I need somewhere to put these things. Anybody here play chess? Anybody want to play me the game? No hands. You must have heard what I said in the last service. Somebody wanted to play me, and I could tell they were good just by the way they were acting. So I said, you have to be blindfolded. I get to keep my eyes open, you know. They didn't like that, you know. But these guys are, are what? pawns. What happens to pawns often in a game of chess? They're sacrificed. They are sacrificed. They're given. Not taken away, but they're actually given. They're sacrificed. They're of value, part of the team, but they're, they're sacrificed for something of higher value. Well, well let me ask you, uh, let's see, what's, what's this piece here? It's a rook. What's this piece here? It's a bishop. Let's see. What about this one? It's a knight. What about this here? Queen. Now, let me ask you, are all of these pieces up for sacrifice? Absolutely. If you play chess, you know you're willing to sacrifice any of these. You usually start with the pawns because they're of the less value but they're valuable and, and then you work your way up and you sacrifice all these pieces on behalf of let's see wait I had the wrong one there a while ago here's the queen you sacrifice all those for who? for the king as we make tremendous sacrifices in our life for the king and his name happens to be Jesus. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20. This is Apostle Paul who had a lifestyle of sacrifice. It wasn't all about selfies with Paul. It was uh, a life of sacrifice 
His life was about Jesus, and his life was about others coming to know Jesus. And he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 20, he says, When I was with the Jews, I became one of them. Pass the locks and the bagels, please, you know. So I, I became one of them. I mean, you know, often people want you to become like them. And Paul goes, hey, I, I want to be like you. I want to eat what you're eating. I'm going to dress the way you dress. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, weave my life right into your culture, you know, so you can accept me. And why? He says, <clears throat> when I am with the Jews, I become one of them so that I can bring them to Christ. I, I become one with them so that I can bring them to Christ. When I am with those who follow the Jewish laws, I do the same. I'm going to just fit in with what they're doing. It's not like, well, you got to do it my way. They say, let's do it your way. He says, so that I can bring them to Christ. Let me read again. When I am with the Jews, I have become one with them, so that I can bring them to Christ. When I am with those who follow the Jewish law, I do the same, even though I am not subject to the law, so that I can bring them to Christ. Verse 21 when I am with the Gentiles who do not have the Jewish law, I fit in with them as much as I can. I'm thinking about others, you see, putting them first. I fit in as much as I can, and this way I gain their confidence and bring them to Christ. What he's talking about here is sacrificing his own personal ambitions and goals and, and, and identifying with them. Verse 21 when I am with the Gentiles, when I am with the Gentiles who do not have the Jewish law, I fit in with them as much as I can. In this way, I gain their confidence and bring them to Christ. But I do not disregard the law of God. I obey the law of God. He said, I'm not compromising God's law, but I'm just fitting in with them. He, he says what we're doing here, there's a great flexibility with methodology, you see. You know, I'm... I don't know if you really understand uh, these core values that are written on this uh, big sheet up here or not. The first one, these three values are like the three legs of a stool, like a milking stool. People years gone by when they would milk a cow, they'd have a stool, three legs on it, you know. It was more stable than a four-legged stool. And, uh, you know, two legs wouldn't stand up, but three was. And so relationship is the first of our core values have a relationship with God loving God and then having a relationship with others loving our neighbors ourselves that's one of the great core values that we have as a church and then you see transformation is another core value and when you come to know Christ in a personal way there is a transformation as much as the caterpillar experiences when he becomes a butterfly so there's an instantaneous transformation that happens when you meet Jesus. But then there's a daily transformation that goes on. And the Bible tells us as we behold God in his word, we are changed. And this is a daily process. We are changed or transformed, you know, from glory to glory, day by day. This transformation goes on. And then what's the third one there? Relevance. It's relevant. I mean, what can you relate to right now? Let me ask you, would it be relevant for all you guys 
to be walking in here this morning with snowshoes on? Snowshoes, you know, great big old things? That wouldn't be relevant, would it? You know? And there's a lot of things that's not relevant in this day and time because the cultures and the times have changed. But we want to do, as Paul says, we want to be relevant. We want to fit in as much as we can. We want to be relevant so we can share about the transformation and the relationship we have with Christ. Now, in order to be relevant, you know, I have a flag out here. I have a chessboard out here. And do you know? Well, let me ask you, how many of you remember Pastor Ron when he used to wear a black suit every day of his life? There's a few of you guys who are here. Thank God I've been delivered. <laughs> and some people told me, they would sit across the desk from me, said I was very intimidating because of the suit, you know. So I was very thankful when the businessmen, you know, in our communities, they had this dress down Friday, you know, they wore their jeans and, or they'd wear something kind of casual or whatever. And then and it became a lot more acceptable and I was just like, thank you, Lord Jesus, you know. And I took off my suit and rarely have put it on since, you know. It's been quite a few years ago now. That makes it relevant, you see. I can connect with people, you see. Sometimes, well, you need to understand the whole concept. You know, some, some people in churches, it's all about them. And this is the gospel truth. This actually happened yesterday. A pastor friend of mine called me and asked for prayer because of his church. His church wants him to take care of the people in their church. They don't want to bring in anybody else. They don't want visitors. And Lord have mercy, they don't want the young people coming in. Can you imagine? What happens after the last old person dies? There's a building up for sale, you know what I'm saying? But see, they didn't want it to be relevant. They didn't want to be relevant. And see, what we do here, we're willing to sacrifice. See, it ain't all about you. It ain't all about me. We're willing to make some sacrifices. Maybe you don't particularly like some more of the contemporary modern songs that we do. But see, you got 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can listen to worship music on the way to church, can't you? Listen again on the way home. Listen all day long, all the music that you like, and you might go, well, that's not my particular kind of music, but if the younger generation likes that and we're drawing younger people, that's awesome, right? And so we make sacrifices of our own desires, our own ambitions to, to reach other people, you see. And that's what Paul was trying to say here. Let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. It says, when I am with those who are oppressed, broken, you know, in poverty or, or weak. He says, I share their oppression. You know, I, I share their coarse bread. It's so interesting that years ago, the people who were in more poverty, they had the coarsest and the darkest bread. They couldn't afford the refined, beautiful, you know, white bread because that was a lot more expensive. Only the upper class could use that. Nowadays, we've come to find out, and now they charge you more for it, the coarser, you know, darker, whole wheat, whole grain breads are healthier for you. All the refined stuff has no nutrients left in it, you know. But Paul was saying, I want to eat 
what the common everyday man eats, wear what he's wearing, do what he's doing, so I can tell them about the Jesus who has transformed my life, you see. That, that's what he's saying right here. When I am with those who are oppressed, I share their oppression so that I might bring them to Christ. Yes, I try to find, what's that say? Common ground. I try to find common ground with everyone so that I might bring them to Christ. I sacrifice my own desires, my own ambitions. I put other people first. Because a lot of people are all about the selfies. Me first. Look at me. Me, 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 me. It's all about me, me, me. Selfies versus sacrifice. Today, we honor the men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice to give us the freedoms we have. I'm not talking about they gave up some of their time or some of their energy or money. I bet they gave their very lives. And that's why we have the freedoms we have in this day and time. Verse 23 goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 9, it says, I do all this to spread the good news. And in doing so, I enjoy his blessings. See, let's sacrifice our pride, you know, and speak up for Jesus. Now, it used to be a common and a noble thing when someone was talking about Jesus. But now it's kind of criticized and looked down upon and, and people are being persecuted for talking about Jesus publicly. But let's sacrifice our own pride and speak up for Christ when the opportunity avails. And to support others who do likewise. To be honest with you, we recognize growth in our children when they begin to speak, don't, don't we? What's some of the first words that Children say? No, yeah, he's always the first, you know. And, and mommy often spends every waking moment that she's with that child going, Mama, Mama, Mama. And the first word that kid says after no is like, Dada. And mama wants to punch that little kid in the face, you know. <laughs> Not really. But we recognize you know, growth when children start to talk. And see, spiritual growth is recognized when you and I begin to talk. And we say something like, Abba? You know, that's in the Bible. It's a term of endearment of what you would call Father. And Jesus? And that's the very first word that our son Judah ever spoke was Jesus made it a point that that was the very first word he ever spoke. He's a pastor now. You know, but spiritual growth is when we begin to talk. And I want to encourage every one of us to, to sacrifice our own pride, not be so concerned about what other people say, but when the opportunity avails itself to speak up, not arrogantly, but with all humility about the Christ who gave his life for you. And to speak up and acknowledge what this weekend, this, this day is all about. We honor those who gave their lives, men and women who sacrificed their lives for the freedoms we have. Uh, everybody's heard of the Titanic, right? 1,522 people of the 2,227, 1,522 passengers and crew died when the Titanic sank on April the 15th, 1912.
And the greatest tragedy was that many of those people didn't have to die. Who died when the Titanic went down? Of the 20 lifeboats, now they were under stock with lifeboats, we know that. But of the 20 lifeboats, many were only half full. Many were only half full. So hundreds of people were in the cold water with life preservers. They, they didn't die of drowning. You know, most of them froze to death, died of exposure, hypothermia, you know. And people in the lifeboats heard the cries of the people who were out there in their life jackets crying for somebody to help them. And the people in the lifeboats heard that on and on and on. And the voices got fewer and few, fewer as the people died. But the people in the lifeboats chose not to go back for fear of capsizing. We get over there, maybe too many people is going to grab the boat and all of them going to try to get, get in and, and they're going to capsize our boat. It's kind of all about selfies over here. Now, you big strong men here and very determined and strong ladies, do you think if there was people dying of exposure, do you think we could have figured a way to get as many in the boat as possible without capsizing? Absolutely. We would have figured it out. One of us would have dove in the water and pulled one, two, three over and brought them aboard. We would have figured a way out to rescue them. I'm absolutely convinced of that. We would have figured it out if it wasn't all about self, you see. But they chose not to go back for fear of capsizing. Only one lifeboat did return, and that was after it was too late. All the, the cries for help had ceased. Of the hundreds who were in the water, only six people were rescued. Hundreds in the water. Only six were rescued. Those who were already saved didn't go after those who were dying. They didn't. We're talking today about selfishness, selfies, or sacrifice. If, if, if all of your dearest, closest family, kids and grandkids were in a boat and it was overturned, which ones do you want to rescue? The ones that gave you a birthday present? The ones that clean up their room? Honestly, which ones do you want to rescue? All of them? You think God wants to rescue every man, woman, boy, and girl who doesn't know him? To rescue them from the sin that grips at their heart right now? Sure he does. When we ask God to expand the borders of our territory, when we pray, Lord, help us to reach the lost here and abroad and in Ethiopia and other places, you know, we must ask God to break our heart for what breaks his. So those of us who are already saved will go after those that are dying. And I want to play it sometime. There's a song, but we don't have it set up to play today. But there's a song that says, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. To where we'll, 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 we'll take some risk. We'll make some sacrifices to reach as many people as we can.
And that's what many of you have done. I know that, the sacrifice that many of you made. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people make the sacrifices and take a whole week of vacation off when we do our vacation Bible adventure. A whole week. I mean, that's time they could be resting somewhere. But they get involved. And we reach hundreds of children every year. And we've been doing it for 20-some-odd years. There are thousands upon thousands of thousands of kids who've been led to Christ because men and women have made sacrifices. Some of them will come straight from work because they can't take any time off. They come straight from work. And our vacation Bible adventure is in the evening. And they come here straight from work. They haven't had any supper or anything. And, and I don't really hear people groaning and complaining, well, I, I can't serve because I don't get nothing to eat. You know, like when you think about boys and girls being forgiven of their sins, having a relationship with Jesus, or having your dinner, can, could you ever possibly make such a sacrifice? Absolutely. And we've seen it happen over and over. And you know one of the greatest beautiful things I see? The mamas and dads who come now with their children to Vacation Bible Adventure, I remember when those moms and dads were little guys coming to Vacation Bible Adventure. Now they're bringing their kids so they can have the experience that they have and that Christ can be real in their own lives. And that's the kinds of sacrifices that people can make. And see, sacrifice, it, it, it costs, does it not? It genuinely does. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Follow God's example in everything you do. And see, that's the key to spiritual growth, as you follow God's example in everything that you do, because you are his dear children. And he says, follow my example. And, and where was Jesus going when he said, follow my example? He was going to the cross. And we understand the cross meant death. And throughout the Bible, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, taking up your cross means to deny yourself. You make a sacrifice. You sacrifice something of value, like a pawn or a bishop or a rook or even a... You sacrifice something of value for something of greater value, you see. Spiritual maturity, it always involves sacrifice. Spiritual maturity always involves sacrifice. To sacrifice is more than a mere gift. Sacrifice means to give something that costs you dearly. Maybe some up, and, and, and it is precious. Our time, our energy, our resources, our money is precious. But, you know, sacrifice is going to cost you something there. Sacrifice, it, it costs. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, he goes on to say, Live a life filled with love. And love always contains sacrifice. Now, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. How many of you know a mama or maybe a dad or somebody who loved you when you was a kid and they made sacrifices for you? How many kids got a new pair of shoes and some new clothes to go to school and mommy didn't get a whole uh, a new garment or any new shoes for a few years maybe because her kids were growing and she made the sacrifice and most of the time she didn't brag about it or browbeat them about it it was a privilege 
to give it to them. You know, that's just what happens. So it says, live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ, who loved you and gave himself as a, Christ gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like a sweet perfume to him. When Christ gave his life, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. When Christ gave his life, made the ultimate sacrifice for you and me, it, it was like a, a sweet perfume to the Father. And when you and I make sacrifices on behalf of other people, it pleases God a whole lot more than, oh, here, look at this, look at this, look what I did, look what I'm going to do, look what we, you know. It's a lot more valuable than just selfies, all about selfishness, you see. Um, there was a, a father and a son that I had uh, read about some years ago, and they're out plowing in their fields. And, you know, the dad had the old wooden plow that had the, the metal blade on it, and he's there, and you got all the, the lines going to the harnesses and all. But the, instead of an ox or a mule or a horse or something, the son, big, strong, strapping young man, he was in the harness, and he was pulling the plow. And Dad was back there on the plow, and somebody stopped and said, what in the world are you guys doing? And they weren't upset or been out of shape or nothing. They were plowing much slower than if they had had an ox or a, a mule or something. But the, the, young, the young man who was pulling the plow, his mama got sick, real bad sick. And there was some very expensive medicine that probably would cure what was ailing her. And they had absolutely no money. And so they sold their only ox. And they were able to get the money. And mom recovered. And they weren't complaining or fussing or nothing. What a privilege it was to have an ox to sell. To get the expensive medicines to cure mama. And they were smiling. They were thrilled and happy to be plowing slower than everybody else. But they were still plowing. The privilege of a sacrifice gave mama back her life. Can we understand that sacrifice? They valued the ox, but they valued mama a lot more, you see. So important. So what have you sacrificed lately? We can all probably remember back once upon a time when I made a sacrifice for this or I did that. But what have you sacrificed lately of your own desires, your own ambitions, your own goals? Has it been more of a selfie life or a sacrificial life? And we've been called to a lifestyle of sacrifice if we follow Jesus Christ. When James Calvert, a missionary, went out to cannibal Fiji, with the message of the gospel, the captain of the ship in which he traveled did his best to deter him from going to these people. He said, you will risk your life and all those who travel with you if you go among such savages. Calfort's answer was this. We died before we came here. And it is therefore our honor, a pleasure and a privilege to come here for the cause of Christ. The, the captain's scratching his head. You died before you came here? 
but I see you. And here's a passage that explains it in Galatians 2.20 that says, my old self has been sacrificed. That means died. My old self has been crucified. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Robert Arthington graduated from Cambridge University. He lived in a single room, cooking his own meals, and he gave 500,000 pounds. Now at that time, one pound equaled $2.50, okay? So he gave 500,000 pounds. That was around $1,250,000, one and a quarter million dollars on the condition that it all be spent on pioneer work within 25 years. Hmm. You understand pioneer work. It wasn't to find a church that had all the bells and the whistles and give it to them so they can have more bells and whistles. But it was to be given to pioneer work, where a, a dark place that has no church, where somebody was willing to go, a, a place of darkness, and somebody was willing to go in and turn on light. There was some financial support given, already given, and it must be spent within 25 years. Here's a man. Robert Arthington, and he wrote, Gladly would I make the floor my bed, a box my chair, and another box my table, rather than men should perish for the lack of the knowledge of Christ. And he gave one and a quarter million dollars for the work, pioneer work to be done in any direction. That's the heartbeat of God, is to reach those who haven't been reached yet. See, if it doesn't cost you, you haven't made a sacrifice yet. And see, giving is judged not by its size, but by how much of you is in the gift. <laughs> see. And, and thank God for all of you who have given so sacrificially over the years. That's the only reason Faith Living Church is even here. And see, sacrifice has always been a part of true worship. It's always a part of True worship is sacrifice in some way. Now, y'all familiar with Butterball Turkeys? Yeah? Well, the Butterball Turkey Company, they set up a hotline to answer consumers' questions about preparing holiday turkeys. And one woman called to inquire about cooking a turkey that had been in her freezer for 23 years. I think she probably should have defrosted that thing a time or two. <laughs> Honey, you think we got one in our freezer that's been there that long? <laughs> no, I, I'm sure it's not. But the operator told her, well, it might be safe to eat if the freezer has been kept below zero degrees the entire time. But the operator warned the woman that even if it were safe, the flavor had probably deteriorated and she wouldn't recommend eating it. So the woman who had called and asked this question, she replied, she says, well, that's what we thought. We'll just give it to the church. 
Now, was that a sacrifice? Now, you know, I've never had a tag sale. I really want to have a tag sale to get rid of a bunch of my junk and clutter, you know. But I never had one when we lived here for 25 years because I didn't ever want anybody to think that Faith Living Church operated on tag sales. Stuff that everybody else was going to throw away, they would give it to the church because the church grows on the sacrifices of men and women, of their time, energy, of their resources, of their tithes as their offerings. And that's the way the church has, has thrived and it has grown. And we've been able to accomplish the things that we've been able to accomplish so far. And we understand that part of our worship of God, it's not giving God what we, well, if, if you don't want it, God, I'm going to throw it away. There is no sacrifice in that at all, you know. Sacrifice isn't a sacrifice unless it costs you something. Second Samuel, we see this clearly portrayed with King David. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. David, and people are always trying to give him something. And uh, he was going to worship God, and, and somebody was trying to give him something to worship God with. And David said, I cannot present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So he said, I will pay you for this, for these animals and all. No, just take them. We're friends. Just take them. He said, I cannot offer to God what costs me nothing. See, he wanted it to cost him. He wanted it to be a sacrifice. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Now, you see where it says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. That word greed there is, is, is covetousness. Are you familiar with the, one of the Ten Commandments that says, thou shalt not covet? You're not supposed to covet what your neighbor has. You're not supposed to covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's livestock or your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's husband or your neighbor's car. You're not supposed to be drooling over, oh, I wish I had a car. Oh, I wish I had a house. I wish I had a... That's one of the Ten Commandments. And he's telling us here, there should be no sexual immorality, no impurity, or covetous, no, no greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. And then he goes on to say, verse 4, obscene stories, foolish talk and coarse jokes, these are not for you. What he's saying is, if somebody's telling us a dirty joke, we need to sacrifice even being accepted in the group. And, and I don't think we should laugh at a dirty joke. And Egamon will just tell more and more. And I'm not saying we should be mean. But we should just live a life that, that honors God. And if they reject us because we don't laugh at their dirty jokes, well, then so be it. He said, obscene stories, foolish Talk and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, in their place, let there be what? Thankfulness to God. Okay, well, how does that fit in here? Well, watch. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, With Jesus' help, let us, and what's the next word? Continually. What was that word again? How often is that? Is that like on an annual basis? Is that kind of like weekly or something? 
It's just kind of like breathing continually. How many of y'all like to breathe continually? <laughs> so he says, with Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by proclaiming the glory of his name. The King James Bible says this is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. Thanking God, praising God when you really don't feel like it. Do you always feel like thanking and praising God? You're building something and you hit the wrong nail? Have you ever woke up a day and you'd planned a big picnic, a great big beautiful gathering, but your house is too small, so it had to be outside, and it was raining cats and dogs the whole day. You understand cats and dogs? You know, later on you step in a poodle, you know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Well, that's the terms we use down south, but all of a sudden, you want to complain. Well, Lord, I was all this happy, and now that people can't go out. That's what you want to do. But is it possible to praise and thank God when things aren't going right? That's a sacrifice, right? To praise God when things aren't going your way, to thank him anyway. And it says here, will Jesus help? Let us occasionally, continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God. Now listen to what it says in Psalms 50, verse 23. And this is God talking. But giving, what's that next word? But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. Complaining dishonors God. Do we ever complain? Let's give an honest, loud answer. Do we ever complain? Yes. Okay, that honored God. You're being honest, okay? And God says, giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. That's what God says. Giving thanks, praising him, that's a sacrifice. I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to praise God anyway. There's always something to thank him for. Okay, we're going to read this verse one more time. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. So it says, with Jesus' help, let us occasionally oh i'm sorry yes y'all 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 got that with jesus's help let us what's that word continually offer our sacrifice of praise to god by proclaiming the glory of his name verse 16 says and don't forget to do good and to share be generous what you have with those in need for such sacrifices are very such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Up here it says, praising and thanking God is a sacrifice. And here it continues to say, giving to those who are in genuine need is a sacrifice that pleases them. We see there's lots of ways to make sacrifice, to have a lifestyle of sacrifice, right? So we're going to close. Don't really have time to go into all the things I really wanted to try to get to today, but we're going to listen to a song, and then we're going to close. And this song is by... Stephen Curtis Chapman, and it's, uh, so what was the name of that song? See here somewhere. We Remember. Yeah, thank you for helping me remember it there. 
we remember. But I want to tell you what the song is about, first off. And it's, it's worthwhile coming to church if you only heard this song. It's talking about we remember on Memorial Day. The men and women who have served and who have given their lives for the freedoms we have. And we remember those who are wounded. And we remember those who came back, but they served. We remember those who are training to serve now. And we remember those who are serving now. And then I want to challenge you also to remember God's Son who entered full force into the battle for your eternal soul. And he made the ultimate sacrifice. Let's remember. Let's listen to this together. This is for the ones who heard the fight for freedom calling And for the ones who answered, I'll do what I can For the ones who ran the battle, who believed that freedom mattered Well, this is for you And this is for the ones whose orders took them to the front line for the ones who fell and never made it home And for the ones who came back broken With memories too hard to be spoken This is for you We remember We remember And we are thankful We are grateful We know freedom isn't free you paid it's not in vain and it will never be forgotten because we remember and this is for the ones whose war was wandering and waiting and for the moms and dads and families back at home with pictures by their beds who had to learn to live again oh this is for you we remember we remember we are thankful and we are grateful because we know freedom isn't free
Father, we remember the men and the women who have already given their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy. We ask you to forgive us for the times we've not seemed to care. But we remember them this day. And we remember those who have served their country and were willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice if they were called upon to do we remember those who are there now in training or there at this moment who are willing to pay the ultimate price for the freedoms that we have. We remember them and we ask you to bless them. And we remember Jesus, your son, who in the battle of all times against the powers of darkness and against hell itself, he fought our eternal souls and paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. We remember. And we thank you, almighty God, for the freedom from sin that we have available to us today. As we keep our heads bowed, would you join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith in a wonderful loving creator who has a purpose and plan for our life. Would you reaffirm your faith or maybe you've never welcomed Christ into your life. Would you join us today and allow him to become Lord of your life this day and Savior. Would you join me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. That's why you sent Jesus. And I believe that Jesus made the sacrifice that brings forgiveness and that gives me another chance. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he's knocking at the door of our hearts and we open wide that door and we welcome Jesus Christ inside. We want to have a relationship with him. Forgive us for the times when we have not remembered. Thank you for giving us a new life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And you know something? One day, if, if time avails itself to us, there'll be somebody, it's going to be at least two or three hundred years from now, I'm sure, but there'll be somebody standing in a place like this talking about what you are remembered for.
You know what I'm saying? What will you be remembered for? Is it for selfies? Or will you be remembered for making sacrifices for others that you know and you love? And maybe sometimes for others who you don't know at all. So let that kind of stick in us and think about that. What will you be remembered for? Well, here's your challenge, your weekly challenge. It says, and if you choose to agree to it, just check it off and drop it in the tithe box. It just simply says, I will diligently work at remembering the sacrifice of others in whatever facet they came. Because we do forget, don't we? I will diligently work at remembering the sacrifice of others and will make personal sacrifices to bring freedom to others. If you agree with that, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. And if you prayed with us and you accepted Christ as your Savior, if you'll go to the uh, connections desk right in the back there, they'll give you a little gift bag. It's got a Bible, some other uh, information that will stimulate and stir and increase your faith. And if you're a guest with us, just let them know, hey, I'm a guest. And we have a, a nice little gift to give you, just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming. And we sure hope you come back. And um, as we dismiss, if you need prayer, does anybody ever still have any problems or struggles of any kind from two or three of you? The rest of you, we've got to pray for you about lying and stuff like that. But, but if you genuinely have a need, there's people always be around the altar that you can come up and they'll pray for you. And I am telling you, the God who we serve, he still answers prayer. He genuinely does. And as you have opportunity, you know someone who has served our country, or you take an opportunity in all the gatherings you may have this weekend, acknowledge those who gave their life for our country. You, you know of a veteran, thank him for his service. Or those who are thinking about going in that direction, let's just remember them, okay? And would you greet one another on your way out? God bless you. You are dismissed.